The official Danko Jones podcast is brought to you with the help of uh, Blue Mic microphones and Skull Candy headphones. Check them out at bluemic.com and skullcandy.com. Well, me and Nick, when we did this podcast a few podcast episodes ago, we brought in a guest. And it was our friend Brendan Canning. We've known him for many years. Brendan um, plays in, maybe you've heard of them, Broken Social Scene. I lived with Brendan Canning for years and years. And so it was kind of a reunion. And we used the podcast um, just to host this reunion. We, we had a great time. So since we had such a great experience, me and Nick decided to bring in someone we didn't really know very well, but we admired their work, and that was stand-up comedian Nikki Payne. Nick knows Nikki a little better than I do. I, I was only a fan, and, we, a fan, and we, we brought her into this podcast, as you'll hear, and we got to know each other during the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Um, Nikki's a hilarious, hilarious person. You can check her out at NikkiPayne.com, N-I-K-K-I-P-A-Y-N-E.com, and she's got a at Nikki Payne um, Twitter account as well if you want to follow her after this podcast is over. And check her out. I'm sure, I'm sure she's got a numerous YouTube clips as well if you just want to figure out, put the voice to put the face to the voice or the voice to the face or whatever. Anyways, here it is. The official Danko Jones podcast begins and then, 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 now. If you've ever seen her perform, it's unlikely that you'll forget her, considering her exuberant style, her unrestrained content, and her trademark lisp. She's the winner of the Canadian Comedy Awards for Best New Stand-Up Newcomer and Best Female Stand-Up, the first ever person human to win both of these awards. She's made appearances in Last Comic Standing, Video on Trial, Buzz on My Right, and the NFB documentary The Next Big Thing as well. She's a member of the Boom Comedy Troupe and has appeared on the sketch comedy show Comedy Inc. for CTV. A graduate of the comedy program at Humber College, she's also a Second City Conservatory alumnus. She's a familiar face at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, and she's set to host an upcoming gala this weekend. Please welcome... Nikki Payne. Right. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. I lifted that entire introduction from Gian Gomeshi. Oh, Gian, my boyfriend. Uh, I got that off the internet. I hope you didn't mind. And that was uh, six months old. So <laughs> everything's happened already. Sorry, Nikki. That's all occurred. His, his introductions, Whenever if you ever hear Gian Gomeshi on the CBC introduce a guest of his... They're awesome, so I figured I can't top it. I might as well just lift it. Here you go. He's the most artful person to say uh and um in between his sentences Yeah, when he says it, I I don't feel like he's just a hack. No, it sounds like gossamer is coming out of his mouth. So, Nikki, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good, good. Um, The introduction, I hope, was uh, brought everyone up to speed with who you are and and uh, why are you here? Uh, basically, because I think you're damn funny, 
and I thought you'd you'd be a, a great guest on our podcast. So you are our our second guest ever on the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Number two. Number two. So what's going on? Um, I won another Canadian Comedy Award. You're listing my my record, the only human. That's what Gian said. Gian said that, man. I didn't didn't hear that. I'm so I have such a big crush on Jean Gameshi that I don't hear anything. Like I I I don't even know if it's a crush. I don't know what it is, but he's one of those people that whenever he's in the room, I can't speak. I'm just (laughs) like (laughs) Anyway, I won another Canadian comedy award. This time I won it for um, Best Taped Live Performance and I won that last month. And I broke it about two minutes in, and it's here, and it snapped in two pieces. It's really broken. Very broken. How it did couldn't it break? be more broken. I put it down to fit my dress for the official, um, the official photo. Um, like you know, when you win an award, you know somebody usually grabs you and takes you backstage. And you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know that whole experience. Sorry, <laughs> that whole experience. <laughs> Me neither. No, I have no idea. It. Yeah, and we're not even joking. And and you think <laughs> you've never won anything? You've never won anything? No, no. Come on. Nope, never will. I don't think. I got it, especially with my mouth. Uh, well, I would have thought you would be like a multi-award winner. No, when you get nominated, Even. you get a sheet of paper. Right. And I give it to my mom because right. I know I'm not bringing home an award. I framed the Gemini nomination because I'm pretty sure I'm never going to win a Gemini. So wow. I just put the, I put the, the nomination, I put sheet. nomination sheet in frames. I, I got a runner-up for a local comedian award from a magazine, Toronto, from Now Magazine. Nice. Yeah, nice. years ago. Do they give you a plaque? Because I think I got a sheet of paper, and I I don't know where that sheet of paper is. When you go to a restaurant or or somewhere where it's the best of, according to Now Mm -hmm. Magazine, which is the Toronto Weekly, um, you get a plaque. Yeah. Nice. I won a coloring contest at Reitman's, and I won an Easter Bunny, a stuffed Easter Bunny. Was this like last month? Oh, okay. That was your first award. That was my first award. And it's just been onwards and upwards ever since. I think I broke that one too. (laughs) So what? So what happened when they when they whisked you away? I whisked me away to take the official photo, and I put it down on the floor to fix my dress. I heard a small clink sound, like it just sounded like like that. Right. Nothing. Nothing big. And the photographer went. And I looked down, and it was in two pieces. Well, you know, if it was a Grammy, I would say, you know, um, get get a new one. But because it's a comedy award, and it's not taking any way, anything away from it, to make it more comedic, I would wrap it in gaffer tape. And yeah. Just put it on your mantle. It, it's more interesting now. Now I talk about it. I yeah. wouldn't have, if this didn't break, I wouldn't have brought it here today because yeah. I would have felt like I'm being an egomaniac. Like, I think look at my award. I'm yeah. going to put it right here. Now you have a table. buffer. Now, now you like, have a story that lets you break an award. You now have two door stops. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it looks to me like a coaster as well because it's the glass part that's kind of laying and down. And it's also yeah. it makes it look it makes you look cooler because you it also actually gives the effect like you don't give a fuck. You just threw it on the floor. Yeah. Fuck yeah. this just award. Another award. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. So oh, what we were talking about before we started the podcast uh, in a series of emails back and forth was what are we going to talk about? Because I don't really, we don't really know each other. We were introduced to each other because of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I sought you out because I wanted you on the podcast because 
I'm a fan, and, and both Nick and I are fans, and we wanted we wanted an interesting person on the podcast, and and someone that you know wouldn't really be outside would be outside of the whole music genre. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I thought that there is an interesting thread is the fact that both comedians and rock bands or rock people we go on tour. And yes. you have gone across Canada back and forth touring, I am assuming, many, many times. Many, 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 many times. Uh, Nick was telling me beforehand that you spent some time, you relocated to Los Angeles for a while. I did for a while, yeah. How long yeah. were you in L.A. for? On and off, um, probably about two years. I mean, Canadians would tend to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'd be down there for a bit, and then, you know, I'd come back was up it, and do something. But, was it working on a show there or a um, pilot? Or? I did a Last Comic Standing oh, right. while I was down there, um, which was cool. And um, and I uh, was auditioning for stuff and just doing that that, well, I mean, I guess the listeners wouldn't understand that thing if they haven't done mm-hmm. that thing, but you, really, you go down, you work, you know, what it boils down to is you work really hard in Canada, save up a lot of your money, and then you go down to L.A., and you spend it all, yeah. and you spend mm-hmm. a lot of time going auditions, and, yeah. and uh, almost getting there, like, I went, uh, I screen-tested for two shows while I was there, and you get really, really close, and the contracts are signed, and you're quite literally Really like sitting in your car, in manager's car in mm-hmm. the drive in the parking lot of like the studio waiting to hear and um and then you get to call it like it went it went with the other person that yeah. was sitting in the parking lot right. Right. right three cars in the parking and lot and you can hear yeah. muffled like yeah. screams of, yeah of joy. of joy and you drive out of the parking lot and um it, yeah it, it is harsh it, isn't it it, it is in what it is that's what yeah. you have to so do harsh. And like and I mean I I there's a certain part of me that goes well you have to go through that good that you get went through that but going through that myself in yeah. a, in a different genre uh, it's hellish man and it's a, it'll it'll play on on just how you you view things and it, yeah. it'll leave you disillusioned well because you have to devote all your energy and attention towards your career and everybody else around you is devoting all their energy and you know and attention to your career it becomes, you know, like being an entertainer becomes uh, so much more, um, so much more important than what it really should be. Mm-hmm. You know, because it becomes everybody's hardcore yeah. focus, mm-hmm. and um, so like it just becomes like so important, and it's like, but I hunt things for a living. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that recently. <laughs> Actually, just today, I was thinking about how, you know, to, to people in entertainment, L.A. and New York are these meccas, right? Right. That's where everything happens. But, okay, arguably New York is that for several types, you know, politics and, mm-hmm. and, and commerce. There's an element of that. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's they're not, you know, L.A. Is, is not the center of the universe, really. You know? But, you know, hearing you say that, you know, the contracts were signed, we were right there, you'd gotten to the to the nth audition, mm-hmm. and this was it, you were at the precipice of either, you know, just all it took was a phone call, and you're in, and, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you've set sail. It reminds me of how many times that's happened to us as a band, and now when things happen, when people say stuff to me, I go, I'm never going to, I'm not going to believe it, 
until I'm actually there. Someone whispered in my ear, when we got the Guns N' Roses tour, someone whispered in my ear and said, so-and-so is trying to get you on. It's going to happen in X amount of months and this. And I just said, well, that's never good. I don't believe that mm-hmm. until I'm about to walk on stage for the first show. Exactly. And that's when I said... Pragmatism's good, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people tend to take a glimmer of hope and make it a reality in their heads. I remember this one time, and, and Nick, you and I brought it up a few podcasts ago about my crank phone calls. Right. I used to do these crank phone calls, and it got around in Toronto. Nobody knew who it was. Uh, word had spread, but everybody wanted to know who it was. And someone told somebody else at an American record label that I did these things. The guy came down to Toronto, and this is just when the Jerky Boys had had, had uh, put out their first take cassette. I say cassette because it's how old it was, but their first album. Mm-hmm. And that label, I'm not going to divulge what it was or who it was, that label wanted their own Jerky Boys. They wanted their own thing. And he'd heard like a couple of my phone calls and he, he was interested. So he said, well, meet me here at, at this club. And we, we met in Toronto. He was in Toronto. And we hung out. And we were just hanging out. And we'd go to this party or this club, and we'd just hang out. And he knew a lot of people in Toronto. And every single time he would introduce me to someone, he would say, this is so-and-so. He's going to be our new signing. Forget about the jerky boys. He's the guy. And I was sitting there just like you were sitting there with the contract sign going, oh, my God, I'm going to be on this label as the new jerky boy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one. And that happened to me for a night. Yeah. Yeah. And I, at one night, and I, and this is before the band, this is before anything. I was a bored kid with nothing to do, and nothing happened. I, I got no phone call back. I got no reply back. It destroyed me. Was this before email? Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying phone calls. No email, no, no reply, no response, nothing. No fax back? No nothing. No fax, no... No, no carrier nothing. pigeon. Dying. Just no calls. <laughs> nothing. And it just, it crushed me. Um, no tin can phone it, call. It was the beginning of, of things like that. So when every, and, and how old were you when that, when that happened? I was uh, 21, 22. Whenever the Jerky Boys, I can't remember, whenever the Jerky Boys came out, the year, anybody can look up the Wikipedia of them, uh, that was the year. Right. It was right. the year that, that the Jerky Boys, it was the year. And that, you know how bands, oh, something breaks. It happens in TV. Yeah. Well, now uh, Lord of the Rings comes out, every, or Twilight comes out, everybody's got something on, a, on vampires. So I was the Jerky Boy of this label that needed mm-hmm. that Jerky Boys phone call fix. But don't you find that, because um, what I find is that when I was younger, I would get caught up in all of that. Oh my God, I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be on my own sitcom. I'm yep. gonna be mm-hmm. a star. Yeah. I'm gonna mm-hmm. be. I'm gonna be on this label. It's gonna and, be amazing. And it was so high and then so low. And mm-hmm. and I find now that I'm starting to settle into that part of well, this is part of the industry that I've chosen mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. And I'm I find that um, well, you'll go one of two ways. You'll either you know grow into that and just go okay, well, let's just have 
how it is. And and like you said, be much more calmer when people say like mm-hmm. you, know, you might be opening for Guns N' Roses on your tour. You're like, okay, great, that sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's see if it unfolds and yeah. actually happens that way. Or you go in another way where you just get so bitter after a while that it's like because the fact is is that this is just a fact of both our industries. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and I think it's yeah, I think you just decide. You know what way you're gonna sort of, you know, go and things can fall apart with like one decision, one shift of schedule, anything, you know, and and but the the opposite of that I've noticed can happen too, where someone calls you up, you know, and says, "We're we're gonna use you for this, you know, we're gonna use you for this," and you're like, "Okay," Mm -hmm. and then and then when it does happen, you're almost. Not as present. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, this is happening now. Whatever. You know? And, and uh, it happens after the fact. You're like, I just did that. That was weird. Yeah. Like, holy smokes. I'll, I'll never forget with uh, our band this thing that was. Brutal Nights. With Brutal Nights, we went to Greece. We were opening for this band called Tragedy that was is really, oh, wow. really popular with uh, crushed punks. Like, like the like they're just like globally huge. They're yeah. almost like emblematic of a scene. This this massive punk scene, and in Greece, in Athens, they'd actually somehow made it so that we, there was an outdoor show on a college campus, mm-hmm. and we go to the college campus, and. Uh, the people at the campus were like, no, you can't have the show here. To the organizers, no, you can't have a show. The show's not going to happen here. This was maybe three or four months after the riots in Athens in okay. 2009. And they just found another college campus where the riots had happened, actually. And we just converged on that. And, and they somehow wow. put the word out that the show was going to be at this different college campus. Wow. Where, by the way, there's laws in Greece that the police cannot enter college campuses because of a coup that happened in the 1970s. And so we go to this this college campus and, like, 10,000 people come to, the, you know, f- come to this show and watch. Maybe not 10,000, but, like, three, a huge amount of people. Can you? Come on. It just ruined your story, or you keep going. It, it, but someone accepted my my friend request. <laughs> <laughs> that was what just happened. I'm so excited. Yay! You got another friend. My point is, now turn off your phone when we do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> podcasts. But um, you know, I I can't even process that we played to this huge amount of people, and there were police surrounding the college campus. You know, mm-hmm. there was Molotov cocktail mm-hmm. burns in, on, stored in the neighborhood. There was a guy on a moped during this, sh- this show throwing firecrackers <laughs> around. But it just feels like something that wasn't me, you know? It was just, it's just something you look back on and go, okay, that's very, very odd. Well, that's what's cool about, you know, what it is that we do, you know, like arts and entertainment It's endeavors. feast or famine, that, really. Yeah, yeah like, exactly you have it. these incredible lows and these big disappointments, mm-hmm. and, and, and being rejected is just part of how it is. But then you have these moments where you're doing things where you're like, this is my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, uh-huh. this is the life I chose. I, I'm doing pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I mean, but the, the, the trick is... That you have to be, uh, you have to persevere through it all and be very, very tenacious with what you want to do and wh- where you want to go. There's so many people that just give up after these kinds of 
uh, disappointments. And mm-hmm. I, I gave up after that night. I never really, I, maybe I did a few more crank phone calls, but after that I stopped. I was so deflated. Yeah. And that was the end of my crank call career. You got to get on that phone and you got to start calling people and <laughs> it was crank a lot, calling them. It was yeah. a lot easier back in the day before call display there was one where I, was, I had a talking cat and I'd call vet places and, and, and then i go I swear to God he was talking and then uh, you want to hear him and the person if they were game they go yeah let me let me hear this talking cat so I go hold on and I just muffle the phone a bit make some muffling noises and then I'd go hello my name is... And then uh, and they would either find it funny or hang up on me. And the people that found it funny, you know, the, the, the crank phone call would go on and on. And I had this whole story and this backstory and stuff like that. But then I'd do other phone calls just for myself, not to release to anybody, which were these really quick, stupid phone calls that I actually found more joy in. When I'd call up, <laughs> I'd look in the white pages, look under Priest call up everybody named priest and I, I remember this one there's this old woman who answered the phone I go is this priest and she goes yes I go you guys fucking rock I saw you in 82 <laughs> you fucking rock yeah and and then you know you'd probably get or or uh Presley's in the in the in the white pages right mm-hmm. those are your long lost cousin <laughs> like and then you just you just get a hang up but I was the only one who found it funny those are just for me though Nobody, nobody heard those. But I have, I have. Thank you for giving them to us now. Yeah. Well, I, I figure. Uh, the world needs statue of limitations. Phone calls. They're, they're old, 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 old phone calls that even the people I called wouldn't remember them. Um, and I have hours and hours of it logged somewhere that need to be digitized. But uh, yeah. But uh, I, I almost did. Was did you the ever do prank phone calls, Nikki? I'm terrible at them. I have a pretty like distinctive voice, so. Like, I would, um, like... Is this Nikki Payne? Yeah, so as a kid, <laughs> I would, it, like, I mean, I guess I could call people that I didn't know, like, in the phone book, right? But, yeah. um, I remember calling up my, my best friend's house, my time during a prank phone call, and her mom was like, Nicole? And I was like, <gasps> because at the time, at, like, eight years old, I didn't realize that my voice sounded completely different right. than everybody else's in my town. <laughs> <laughs> you so you'd be like, that. hi, this is the chief of police. I'm the chief of police, and your daughter's in a lot of trouble. I'm a grown man. <laughs> so that would be a great CD. It's, and do it to your friends. Crank call all your friends. Yeah. So at the the punchline is, Nikki. Nikki, what do you want? And then just click. Click. Every call is every, click. Every click ends with... <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a there's never been a crank call where they get caught. You should do that. But I always get caught. Uh, is this gonna be pain? Click. You should totally. I've do definitely that. done a lot of failed crank calls. I was not. I when I was a teenager, I did a couple, but it generally it didn't work. I, calling the the math a guy called the math magician who was a tutor, asking him to play <laughs> students a children's party, and then also calling a bricklayer and saying, I. I'm having problems with my wife right now. I need you to divide our house in half. Like <laughs> that's a great brick one. up. The that's house. a great one. Yeah, that one was good. But besides those two, it was all like just running out of steam. Like, hey, is the pizza guy? Uh, can I get some tacos? That was that was another one. I love those ordering. ones, man. I love those ones. <laughs> the internet when it was in its infancy, in terms of like uh, file sharing, mm-hmm. someone like people were uploading 
uh, crank phone calls, just random ones. And there was a lot of those really shitty amateurish ones that people just uploaded on their mm-hmm. own. And I have a bunch of them. They're hilarious. Yeah. I think the the more amateur the crank phone call, the more I find fun in it. It's the the ones that are really elaborate that you kind of go, well, yeah, for, yeah, put some time into it, okay. But I love the ones that are just. There's one that's on the internet. Some guy just calls a donut shop called Mama's Donuts. Yo, it's Mama's Donuts. And it's like this Chinese woman on the other line going, yes, yo, oh yeah, I want some donuts, man. I want a jelly donut. And I want, and it's just, there's no punchline. He's just making it up as a good, it's the funniest thing ever. All he does is make a big order of donuts and call it a crank phone call. Last comic standing in terms of um, getting recognition from it because that's something I always hear is that it does up people's re- like it, it did. getting it recognized. Did. And I, stuff. Um, I went to Ireland um, when it when it started to air. I was in Ireland and mm-hmm. um, at the time everybody was on MySpace. That's that's how far back uh, I was in LA. Oh, but, so um, like- Thirteen months ago. Yes, yeah. and um, everybody's on MySpace, and um, I, you know, I wasn't checking it regularly. I was, I was, you know, touring in Ireland, and and uh, so I went to like an internet cafe and and checked it, and I had like something like like five hundred friend requests, and wow, I was wow. like, what? And I really thought <laughs> prank. I thought, oh god, somebody's like <laughs> infiltrating my MySpace. <laughs> Someone has reason. invented a new version of prank calls using the yeah, internet. And, um, and it was the equivalent of a bunch of pizzas being delivered <laughs> to my MySpace, and uh, and I didn't know any of the people. And then, uh, but then, like, I started to read the comments, and we we love you on Last Comic Standing, and and that's when I I realized that oh, this um, that little contest that I that I entered in LA um, has hmm. has done something for me. And yeah, so it's definitely. Definitely helped exposure wise. Totally. Did, did you wait in line for it, or did you get it sort of set up the audition set up through management? I got an audition set up through management. Yeah, that yeah. seems like a the only way to actually get on the show. Well, there's right? an open I think if you're in well. the lineup, oh, you yeah. better be good and crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think if you're going to be in the lineup, then like. You gotta be like super wacky. But I appreciate about Last Comic Standing, especially as it kept going on. I'm not sure which season you were in the, the third one, second one. I it wasn't can't the first, remember. but I it was. I've never seen this. It was show. some time ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never. I don't really watch it very often either because it's just such an awkward concept for me to wrap my head around. That I appreciate what's going on with it. But but anyway, the cool thing about comedy is you can't be a brand new person just trying comedy for the first time. On, and get on that show with any amount of ease, really. I mean, does that ha- happen on it? I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, again, I don't watch the show. There's like, lots like, of I veterans really, who've been on I don't think I've it. seen an entire episode. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't, I don't know why. I get why I've never watched it. I just, I've never watched it. Yeah. Um, it's not but, a great uh, feeling watching shows that you've been on either. It can be a weird thing. It's right? a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah. I, so I really don't know. I mean, it seemed like everybody that was around me 
had at least some experience. But there was yeah. a couple. There were a couple that went pretty far too. That, yeah. that at least your storyline was saying that they were fairly new right. to it. I yeah. mean, whether or not that's true or not, right. I have no idea. But I mean, with the reset button that works in LA and New York, in terms of you don't really count sometimes mm-hmm. until you go there. Like your career almost begin, begins again. I think some depending on the momentum when you get mm-hmm. in there, but. It's who knows how long someone was doing it in like Sheboygan. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. You know? I mean, I'm sure I came across as a newcomer because you know I, they didn't even put me down as a Canadian. They uh, when I was on it, it said Nikki Payne from Los Angeles. So uh, <laughs> that's funny. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably I only better. Been there a few months, right? <laughs> apparently, I was a longtime resident. Yeah. Too. Wow. <laughs> And everybody back home was like, what a sellout. What? She sold us out. I heard Opie and Anthony. I heard the Opie and Anthony clip. You were on Opie and Anthony? Well, where they talked about you. Did you ever hear that? Was I on Opie and Anthony? Oh, my God. Did they hate me? No. Okay. I'm not. I actually, (laughs) I feel awkward now because I thought you would have heard it before, but it was basically they had a deaf comedian. It was all female comics. Uh Uh-huh. They had had one comedian lady who is not, um, she's hearing. What? No, they had a not appearing lady. They had Nikki, and they had just like another lady who the the first lady they had. They were just talking about how hot she was. The deaf lady they hated, but it was like she was an '80s comic, so it was just they were more picking on how like hack the premises were. 80s, yeah. And then when you go up there, uh, when they cut to you, I don't remember whether it was Last Comic Standing or or Comedy Now, Winnipeg, whatever the clip was, uh-huh. they were like, "Oh, she's really owning what." She's got going on, like your your voice and all that stuff, and and they were actually really complimentary to you. It was like three oh, cool. comedians, yeah. They were like when it first started, they were like, "What the?" And then they would get really great about you going oh, into good, it. So good, good. Good I thought that was cool. Yeah. No, I had no idea. No, I had no idea at all. But you're you are relocating to the East Coast. We've been talking about how you moved to L.A., but Nikki, you're going. Farther than LA and Toronto combined, you are going on to the on the East Coast in the Maritimes. You're living in Nova Scotia. This could be the end of my career in five days. <laughs> this right? could be like the worst decision of my life. I, I'm I'm trying something really weird, and it'll probably end up blowing up in my face. No. Um, but I've always wanted to live and do what I do back in the Maritimes, um, and. Uh, and it was never something that I felt that I could do. Um, but uh, but I, I have, you know, I, I seem to have enough of a following that, you know, that I'm really flying into cities now and doing shows and then leaving. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily have to be right here in Toronto. And, um, and it seems like most of my work, you know, booking and everything seems to happen on the interweb now and uh, so it seems like as long as I have an internet connection and an airport I could probably live wherever I want to and tour and do comedy and rack up some sweet air miles yeah and I could be totally wrong um, so what I'm doing is I'm just putting my stuff in storage <laughs> here <laughs> I'm not committing a hundred percent to going and I'm renting a little place on the ocean for the winter because winter will give me a really good sense of what it's like to live out in the middle of nowhere right. for you know for for months on end because I want to be in the country by the water and um, and I'm going to give it a try for six months, and if it works, then I'll stay. If it doesn't, then I'll just come back. Um, as a city kid, 
um, what you're about to do baffles me. <laughs> <laughs> it's baffling a lot of my friends under being supportive for like, great, we're glad that you're following your dream. Your dream? <laughs> How will you get food? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. That would be my first question too. Is there a plate store within 300 miles? A plate store? <laughs> you can get some cutlery? You can just be eating with your hands? when the ground freezes and you can no longer dig turnips out of it. I eating tulip bulbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I'm making them feel a little bit better by saying, I'm leaving all my stuff here. Yeah. I'll be back. You know, it might not work out. it's good for material, I'm sure you can if mine nothing that. else, I'll have, yeah, I'll have some great stories to tell about. And time to, time to write also. Yes. Lots of time to write. Lots of time to write because there won't be any in solitude, yeah. six yeah. months in solitude, writing will come up with some crazy shit. I'm sure. Sometimes it's different. Like you're in the country, but you're usually not too far of a drive from like an actual town. Yeah. Stuff. It's it's an interesting thing because listening to you do this, I uh, it's a world away from me. I uh, I don't know if I've ever really fully divulged this as we've been doing the podcast, but I like to stay inside. I don't like to go out. I the outdoors not only scare me, but they almost offend me. <laughs> uh, I, I like. I've never gone camping. Right. Uh, I've got ample opportunities. Friends have offered. You know, let's go camping. Um, never took them up on it. Um, as a kid, was never interested in camping. Never, ever. Uh, while we're on tour, there's always the opportunity to go sailing with so and so and go to the beach here if we're going to be stay we're five minutes from the beach the other guys are interested in it I would like to just get online if I can get online in a hotel room I'm a happy camper I am um, I'm one of those people that um, I don't go out much and when I do go out I like to you know know in advance so that I can have a nap in the afternoon. Yeah. You're worse than me. <laughs> I did a gap and then, then I can do it and then I enjoy it. Like like last night we were at Eaton House yeah. and, and I actually stayed and I danced with my friends and we had a good time and it was silly fun. But I knew I was doing that. So I had a nap in the afternoon. Yeah. And I prepared myself for being social with other humans mm -hmm. and um but i can't just do it on a whim of like and i can't do it every night i'm like i really like my solitude but then when i'm around people i really want to be around them and i really enjoy them and and i'm a lot of fun but if i have to be around people like all the time mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not nearly as much fun yeah i think i think that's uh, that's a commonality amongst uh, people who have to be extroverts for a living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. You're, if you're working at a bank and you're the funny guy on staff, um, then you're more outgoing. But when it becomes your job yeah. um, and you do this night after night, I find that I, I go into my shell even more so than before in the band, uh, before the band was even around. I, uh, I was that way before, mm -hmm. right. but now I'm even more so. But yeah. I mean, when you're doing that travel, it's uh, it's just so weird because you're doing the. I mean, in the case of a band, you've got this group travel, so that's already people that you have to be around, and that's good. 
but there's no way you don't get a little bit what, what becomes very important yeah. Yeah. is that you surround yourself with people in your touring entourage that you get along with yeah. um, and the moment there's even one even if you're you're traveling with eight or nine guys and there's just this one guy who rubs you the wrong way it can ruin the whole tour for you yeah. you know because you have because you're in such tight quarters around each other it, it, it's it's an element that can't be avoided yeah something that you could you know ignore or deal with if you were just dealing with him from nine to five every day yeah you suddenly is magnified because you're with them 24 7 Mm -hmm. and And the smallest thing or there's no weak argument you know what i mean like you're just waking up and you're like oh i know i'm gonna see them at the venue the next day they're gonna eat and they're gonna eat food. that way. They're gonna eat that way. Yeah, really fucking chooses food. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, oh, it, I've done kidding? shared hotel rooms all the time with the band stuff, and like the the snoring situation, it's amazing. That's the only time you feel ca- I feel capable of like assault and stuff is like night distraction. Yep. You know, like yeah. it's crazy. There's there. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> gonna get into names or anything, but there was one person that we were traveling with. And um, was every, it Phil Lesh? No, and the Grateful Dead. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> just <laughs> just to clarify, we've never ever been anywhere near a hundred mile radius of the Grateful Dead um, while on tour. But uh, one, one, I'll I'll throw JC. JC right. said to me, "Have you ever have you ever watched so and so eat?" And I go, "No, I'm too bothered, too busy." eating my own food and involved in the conversation to watch him eat. So he goes, next time we eat together, watch him eat. So I did. And I couldn't function. I couldn't look at him after that. I couldn't, I couldn't watch him. I, could, I was, uh, at the same time, I was, I was just engrossed with watching this guy, how he held his cutlery how he ate how his how he chewed his food on one side and how his lips moved i couldn't take my eyes off him and at the same time i was disgusted by it and i had to say something and it was every fucking day well we, we skipped breakfast but two, two at least once maybe twice a day i had to sit at a table with this guy and watch him eat and it got to be this bit it got so big that we would have discussions after the after the meal about you know, him just eating like how the fuck do you how was he raised by wolves like how do you eat like that like it's just like this and it was just this guy that we used to tour with and now he's gone I'm about to go on a tour uh, in a few days and uh, I don't want to enter the touring entourage going Everybody going. Was that me? Was that me? Were you talking about me? Right. No. You know, it's it's someone who used to tour with us. But now that I'm home and I'm relaxed and I'm I'm away from the touring and the and the bodies on top of bodies, it 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 just feels like such a petty thing to dwell upon. But that's what happens. Everything gets really magnified when um, you're constantly around the same people, and that's something that nobody really understands. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about because no one else understands it, yeah. and you feel stupid and petty and small when you bring it up to other people. I've I've brought it up to people going, I can't stand it. The way he puts on his hat and the jacket, and they're just staring at me like I'm insane. Yeah. So you, I've just learned to just deal with. Because you are. I mean, to to have that. The truth of that is, it is a little insane to let something like that go get to you, but it does. It does, and yeah. I get. Yeah. Re- I used to get really mad at myself. For for 
you know, coming down on someone or really dwelling on these thoughts when there's a million other things you could be thinking about that are positive and it just kept recurring in, into, my, into my brain going, don't look at how he puts on his shoes. Don't, oh, oh look at this, look at this. Doing it again. What is he, he's an animal. He guy's an animal. <laughs> you know, just things like that would just, oh my God. No, I, I can totally relate. I was on tour with someone one time and, and it was a long tour and this comedian um, really wanted a specific type of phone card. And <laughs> every convenience store, every convenience store and every tab, can we pull over here? I want to see if they have the, the, the phone card I want. And we go in and that phone card wasn't there. And it just, it never ended. Like, and again, I feel really petty talking about it. It's just a phone card just pulling over to a convenience store. But I'm talking every convenience store in every small little town that yeah. we drove in and never not once did that comedian ever find the fucking phone card that they were looking for and finally one day I did I melted down I was like your phone card doesn't exist it doesn't exist because we've been to a million million convenience stores and they don't have a phone you're making it up you're making it up this phone card doesn't exist we can really, at this point in time, I can size up somebody within the first couple of days whether I'm going to get along with them in the long run or not. Comedians traveling together must be especially weird because, you know, if you're if you're traveling in the circuit like with with club comics just going on a package tour together, they can be so wildly different as people. And most of the time, you're sharing a car for, um, you know, to save money. That's what I hear. Like when comedians tour, it's always like, yeah, we were in a car together. Yeah, you Never get a rental a and you split it. Bus or anything. Well, because oh, there's two yeah. or three of you, you know? Yeah. It's just there's no isn't... gear. Yeah, right. when you're staying in hotels, you're not sleeping on a tour bus, you know? Yeah. So I just, um, I picture like, you know, some, like a 60 year old guy and then like a 20 year old with a nose ring and then some lady. It you know? happens. It happens really? sometimes. Like, That's amazing. I mean, as you go on further, sometimes you have a little bit more say of like, well, no, I'm not traveling with that person. The guy with the nose ring. I'm not traveling with the guy who wants to do coke. Normally it's a 60-year-old guy. Yeah, of course. For me, it's just like, not that I'm ageist or anything, like, 60-year-old guys are great, but some of the 60-year-old guys in comedy are a little hard to travel. They must be so set in their ways. I just picture them having these routines and rituals, and that's what drives you crazy. Like, that's what we're getting down to, is when you're watching someone's ritual, it just, first of all, it's like, come on, don't, why are you doing this highly personal thing with me right in your face watching how you, your brain works, you know? Don't, I'm not a psychiatrist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and over the years, I've gotten, I've, I'm sensitive to how other people would view me. Mm-hmm. So I don't try to bring on the road my little ex- eccentricities that I have at home. Oh, but they're, you're, they're doing home. something and someone is judging that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know someone's yeah. judging me all the time, going, "I can't believe we're doing just, that." He sleeps right like now. Have you seen him drink water? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? Have you watched him go online? Have you seen him when he goes to a hotel room? The first thing he does, he asks for the Wi-Fi, and then he wh- blinks. Socks like, and shoes to the beat. He brings, he blinks like every few seconds. It drives me nuts. He's blinking. I've I, seen him surfing porn, well sound checking. <laughs> That actually has happened. <laughs> yeah. I swear I to God, if he wears sneakers to the beach one more time, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. 
And Red, you have your beach on tour. Yeah, I was so going to say, we're at the beach every week. He's been reading that High and Lowest Treasury for the last three months. High and Lowest Treasury. Saying the subway's slow. Subway's slow, man. That's why me. Also, time-wise, bad. I believe Nikki more than I believe you. Subway was a mess today. I'm not saying the subway was a big mess. You should try the patties though. The patties. (laughs) 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 So you had time to have a patty. Well, yeah. Because actually, for me, actually, when I think of patties, I only think of the Toronto subway system. (laughs) The ones with the red dot. Yeah, because yeah. those are the vegetarian yeah. ones. Yeah, the vegetarian patties are, are the better safe. ones. Yeah, and uh, and they're better tasting. This yeah. is gonna get so interesting in its uh, specificity, but honestly, the best Jamaican patties on the Toronto subway system. If you got a chance, Blue Young. Yeah, really? hands yeah. down. Yeah. They, they are very good. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Bathurst. No, no, no. no. Those ones are too crispy. Bathurst and you know, Warden. Warden's probably good because. Locationally, you know. Location. Yeah, it's gonna be the right, the right um, combination of flaky yeah. and smushy. Well, for me, like yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I prefer yeah. flaky as well, but the truth is that there's two types of Jamaican patties that you can either get one. Oh, tell like us, yellow Jewish guy. Yeah. Yes, sorry. <laughs> Dem truth be the party. You and want me? You don't. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Woman. This lady from Nova Scotia has some views on Jamaican. <laughs> this is how you make the party. <laughs> that is something I'm going to miss. You're digging your own hole here. I'm off. Is, is the Jamaican patties. Yeah, that's true. I'll Caribbean have to make them food. myself. I'm sorry about my uh, probably culturally insensitive attempted Jamaican voice I'm making, but <laughs> just I'm doing an impression of when white guys speak Patois, you know? So it's okay. <laughs> right. Cool. But the, wait, flaky and soft is the kind I liked. I like like lardy basically and flaky yeah. and and uh, and soft versus the ones that are like yellow and crispy. Those are okay, but they're not Most my favorite. Most people listening are thinking, get back to the Jamaican accent. Kuma Toronto, <laughs> eat him there downstairs party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in, man. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I love the, I, you have to see the big grin on his face while he's doing it. Uh, please know that I am happily throwing myself in a grave. Woo! <laughs> throwing myself off the Titanic into the icy shores. Not that this podcast is the Titanic at all, but... Well, t- often at times... It's I'm the Titanic. iceberg of this Titanic of a podcast. Uh. <laughs> We hit a flaky, smushy iceberg, and it all went down. <laughs> Nikki, uh, how much less funny was I last night? <laughs> People hate hecklers. Like, the audience hates hecklers a lot of the time, if it's a good audience. You know what I mean? Like, right. if somebody pops out uh, and interrupts the flow of the show, nobody's happy. But but then if you say something too crazy, there's like, they're just like, what are you Ooh. doing? <laughs> Ooh. You get the hecklers? Um... I don't get loads of hecklers, um, but I find um, for me going overboard, it works because like I'm a little lady, 
and <laughs> yeah. you know, so saying, you know, something horrible like it's almost like a shield. Your head and shake down your neck, yeah. you know. They're like, ah, and Everybody, it doesn't matter if yeah. you meant it or not. Like, mm. you know, yeah. So I, I, I find when you're hobbity. Um, you can get away when you're hobbity. You're not hobbity. When you're touch hobbity, you can get away with overreactions because it's funny. Well, I, I think that that's a great thing about your act, though, is just uh, just how disarming so many different choices that you make up there are for the crowd, you know? And that's like, it's, it's, it's not easy doing that, and, you know? So that's my... That's my Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. How are we going to end? Oh, you just compliment with compliments for each other now. We just stroke one yeah, another. Yeah. Make each other feel good. And Danko, oh, what I really like of, about your act. Oh, uh, no, is, I, that's the opposite of how I work. Okay. No compliments, please. Okay. Well, what I really hate about your act really? is. Uh, I'm interested now. Did you, were you excited when Danko Jones, the rock musician, contacted you to get on the podcast? I was totally excited. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. Like, I'm not even lying. I'm not. There's no stroking here or anything. I it was came just, from like, left I field. Frank, I was like, Danko Jones wants me on his podcast. That's cool. And your friend was like, uh, "Who is he again?" <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got that, I got that two days ago. But uh, yeah. Um, God, I don't know if that's the right way to end. I think this is it. I think we've ended it. It's over. I like us discussing the ending yeah. as being the ending. Yeah. That is cool. I always have... I that's always very meta. Want yeah, meta. Meta's the thing. Wow, I think that's the only time I've ever used the word meta <laughs> in a sentence. That's how we end. <laughs> yeah.